Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. So Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Notice what it says here. And when he, Jesus, came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Notice what Jesus replied. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Or how long shall I put up with you? And notice the issue here with Jesus was faith. What made Jesus say, how long am I going to put up with you? Is about faith. Then they brought him to him, because Jesus said, bring him to me. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And oftentimes he has thrown him both into the fire and water to destroy him. Notice something, and this is just the tactic of the enemy. The enemy always likes to show out and put on a show. When he studied the scripture, especially the gospels, there's certain types of spirit that love to draw more attention to themselves and put on a show. But notice Jesus was not bothered by the show. The demon is showing out on the ground, and Jesus is talking to the Father. So how long has he been like this? Too often we're impressed by the show of darkness. That that's all we talk about. That's all we post about. That's all we tweet about. That's all we blog and vlog about, the darkness. But what about the light? Because, you know, like, I, my wife and I were talking about a certain situation that's going on in the world this week, and I made the comment that I made to you guys before. I said, Satan doesn't need a PR team. The church does the job for him. Because we're so impressed by darkness. So impressed by the sin. Can you believe they sin that way? Well, that's what sinners do. They sin. Right? Oh, it's dark in the world. That's what the scripture said. It says the world will be dark. But we need to stop giving the darkness our attention. And give the word our attention. Because Jesus said that we are the light of this world. Light doesn't need to focus on darkness. Light just needs to shine. Notice what the man said. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said it unto to him, if. Because that's kind of how a lot of us, even though we have the written word of God, God, if you can do something, now's a good time to do it. Because a man is desperate. He's in a desperate situation. He's gone to everyone else for help, and no one can do it. And he says, if you can help me. 
and he puts the ball in Jesus' court. But notice Jesus hits the ball right back to his court. He says, if you can believe, if you can, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And so that's what I endeavor to do this morning. I want to help your unbelief. Because the scripture says all things are possible to them that believe. And so one of the things you have to realize is that believe is the action word of faith. Believe is the action word or the verb of faith. Faith is defined as firm belief, confidence, assurance, firm persuasion, the conviction of the truth of anything, belief with the predominant idea of trust. Once again, faith is defined as firm belief, confidence, assurance, firm persuasion, the conviction of the truth of anything, belief with the predominant idea of trust. Faith is mentioned 245 times in the New Testament, which gives a great insight on how believers are to live. If you say it five times, that's important. But 245 times in the New Testament alone, this lets you know it's important to the way you live. Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 10 and three other places in the scripture says the just shall live by faith. So faith is more than a moment. It's more than a movement. It is a lifestyle. And it is the lifestyle that pleases God. For something to be a lifestyle, it has to be what you do continually. Can't be what you did once. It's what you do continually. New Year's resolutions. You know, people are about to make them in a few months. I'm going to have a healthy lifestyle. And so January 1st, maybe. They may say, well, January 4th, because I'm still celebrating. So January 4th, there's still some leftovers that they're still eating. So January 4th, I'm going to have a salad. <laughs> you know what? It's cold, but I'm going to take a walk. Ooh, got cold in Georgia. It's 50 degrees to so go right back inside. <laughs> I'm going to drink a protein smoothie this week. You know what? I'm going to sign up and go to the gym. And you never show up at the gym, even though you paid to go to the gym. How many know those might be healthy-ish things, but that doesn't make a healthy lifestyle? It's what you do continually. It's what you do consistently. The power is always in consistency. And so this is a lifestyle. So that means if we want faith to be our lifestyle, we have to use our faith continually. Here's what happens to a lot of Christians. They only try to use their faith when they're in trouble. And if you only use your faith while you're in trouble, guess what? You're going to struggle. Faith has to be a lifestyle. Go with me to Romans 12.3. Romans 12.3. Faith has to be a lifestyle. Romans 12.3. Notice what the Holy Spirit says to the Apostle Paul here. 
For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So don't think more highly than you ought. That lets you know you should think highly of yourself. So quiet in the house of God. You should think highly of yourself. Well, why, preacher? Because Jesus died for you. You must be something for Jesus to die for you. But the scripture says, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Well, what, what is more highly than I should when you look down on somebody else? The only time you look down on somebody is when you're trying to help them up. You have no business judging people. Now, you can judge situations and beliefs and actions say, yeah, that's trifling, that's wrong, I ain't going to do that. But you don't need to be judging people. That's not your job. Ain't your job. You're not qualified for that job. That's the job of the Word of God. And so if you take up all this time judging everybody else, well, let me bring it home. Judging your spouse? Just look forward. Just look forward. Nobody knows I'm talking about you. Do not elbow your spouse right now. Look forward. And it may not be what you say. You may judge them in your thoughts. Do you know how mentally taxing it is that all day you're just judging your spouse? And you know what's going to happen? You're not going to be able to love them the way the Bible says you should. Well, pastor, you don't know. Well, I don't need to know. I don't. They ain't my spouse. <laughs> but let me say it this way. You know what you signed up for. Let me talk to the singles real quick. You need to know what you're signing up for. But if you're just sleeping around, you ain't going to know what you signed up for. You need to ask some questions. You need to take some time. You need to listen to some wise counsel. You don't need to rush into it. You need to take your time. See people in as many seasons of life as you can see them. You can't see them all seasons, but as many as you can. Know what's real and what's not. Just because they got hair on the head does not mean it's theirs. <laughs> they could have bought it. And in these ways, men and women, they buy hair all the time. That beard may not be his ladies. And fellas, that long hair may not be hers. You got to take some time. Ask some questions. So that means every day cannot be just going to the movie theater. That's fun, but you got to have some time where you ask some questions. Where you get to know each other. You got to take that time. Because if you don't, you're going to end up in some, some situations like, God, why'd you do this to me? And God said, I didn't do it. You did it. And so you have to be careful about always judging people in your thoughts or in your words. That includes your children. I can't believe they're acting crazy, but you acted crazy. They're acting, actually they're acting better than you. 
And I'm not just talking about the little ones you're raising. I'm talking about the ones who are outside the house. I, I raised them better than that. I know I'm stepping on toes. Did you? Did you? I took them to church. But yes, what did you do in between them going to church? And when you took them to church, how were you in the car on the way to church? I'm not talking about how you smile when you walk through these doors, but before you pulled up. It's hard to trust God with someone if you're always judging them. Since I'm already swinging, let me come here. Let's talk about some politicians. President, governor, whoever's running. Why are you judging them? Yes, vote. But you don't need me talking about what do you think about them. I don't care if you're a donkey or an elephant. Or neither. You have no business judging them. Well, they did something stupid. Yep, you do stupid stuff too. The Bible tells you to pray for those in authority. He didn't say judge them. Because it's hard for you to criticize the person you're praying in faith for. But if you always feed on conspiracy theories and always feed on the 24-7 news cycle, your prayers will be affected and won't be powerful because your prayers will be polluted. And let me talk to Sue, because I know I'm training ministers in here and online who are listening. If this is all you feed on, your prophecies will be polluted. You must keep your waters pure. You can't just keep consuming trash. Because if you always consume trash and not the word of God, you will pray trash, prophesy trash, and your perspective will be trash. No matter what anointing or gift is on your life. Romans 12, 3, that's where we were. <laughs> His God has given to each person the measure of faith. And by context, the Apostle Paul is talking to believers. So he's not talking about everybody on the planet. He's talking about everybody who is saved. Everybody who is saved has been given the same measure of faith. Everybody starts out with the same measure of faith. No matter who your great faith general of the past was, whether it's Billy Graham or Oral Roberts, whoever is that big faith person you have in your life, they all started with the same faith. They heard the word of God about salvation. They believed faith came to their heart. What separates people from big faith giants is what did you do with your faith? Faith is like a muscle, it must be developed. Faith is like a wall material. It needs to be refined. You have to develop and increase your faith. And the way you increase your faith is by actually doing what Jesus told you to do. Some people say, oh, Lord, I need more faith. Well, what did you do with the faith he gave you? You know, someone came up to Oral Roberts one time decades and decades and decades ago. And he said, Brother Roberts, I have all the faith in the world. He said, that's your problem. You've never released it. <laughs> and see, that's what happens. There are some people, you've come to church for years, decades, upon decades, upon decades. You've received a lot of word. 
You got a lot of faith because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. But have you used what's been put in? Have you developed what's been put in? How much have you used? Or how much we could say it's like wasted rain. You know, there's been situations of drought places when it finally rains, the water runs off because the soil wasn't prepared to receive it. And although they needed water, that water becomes wasted. And the word of God in Isaiah is compared to as rain. And you receive the word of God all the time, but how much is wasted water? Because you don't use what you hear. See, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if you want to do the impossible in your life, you actually have to grow your faith. You have to develop your faith. You have to receive more faith. Because faith doesn't come by what you heard. Faith comes by what you continually hear. And if you don't keep yourself in position to continually hear the word of God, your faith will dwindle. And when you stop hearing the word of God on a regular basis, guess what? You'll start eating anything else. You'll eat a whole bunch of trash and your faith will dwindle. If you rely only on what you heard, your faith will dwindle, and you will eat trash. There's so many believers who are trying to live on what they heard, and they wonder why it's not working out. And so you, can, you don't even have to investigate their life. Just watch what they post. You see, well, come on, it should be faith, but man, that's trash, that's trash, that's trash, that's trash. I'm not talking about where there's doctrinal confusion or people don't know. No, 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 I'm talking about believers now look like the world instead of looking like Jesus. I'm not talking about outfits. I'm not talking about hair length. I'm not talking about makeup. I'm not talking about any of that superficial stuff. I'm talking about lifestyle. And they grew up in church. But just because you grow up in church does not make you a mature believer. You can walk and stay in a garage for decades. It does not make you a car. If you do not continually put in practice what you hear and hear and hear, you'll look just like the world because spiritual growth is not linear. You can be mature today and be a baby and your diaper change in five years. And so many people in the body of Christ have gone back to babyhood. The writer talks about in Hebrews. He says, you should be eating a steak, but you need somebody to nurse you. Because he also goes on and says, it's time for you to teach others, but now we've got to reteach you the basic things, the elementary things. This lets you know you could be up here and end up down here. Not even remembering what you were taught. Because not everybody pays attention when they're taught. Come on, have you ever had a class in school and you've passed that class? And someone said, man, I, wish, I, rich, you know, I really wish they taught us this in class. And you're like, I was in the same class as you. And they taught it. You were sitting right there. Were you asleep? But they were teaching. See, how you hear is important. Jesus says in Mark 4, Matthew 13, and Luke 8, he says it different ways. Pay attention to how you hear and pay attention to what you hear. He, 
begins those statements with a famous phrase seen in the Gospels and the book of Revelation. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. That's why I always have you say, I take ears to hear, eyes to see. Let's let you know, not everybody has ears to hear. They may have ears on their head, but they don't have ears to hear. The scripture says, incline your ear. There are listening ears. It's your heart. Are you listening to what Jesus is saying? And how well are you listening to what he's saying? Because Jesus then says, with the measure that you meet, talking about the way you hear, it will determine on what you receive. Which means it's not just the job of the pastor, the preacher, the person standing in the pulpit to deliver the word of God accurately under the anointing, even though that is their responsibility. It's also the responsibility of the person who is hearing to make sure they're tuning their ears to hear. Because Jesus goes on and says in those scriptures, I have it in my notes, that those who hear, more will be given. But those who don't listen, they will lose what little understanding they had in the first place. If you don't continually keep ears to hears, you will lose what you have. And that's why you have a lot of believers who act like they never heard the word in the first place. And then they get into this dangerous trap, the trap of the devil, the snare of the devil of pride. Because they pride themselves of their new knowledge. I can't believe I went to church every Sunday growing up. I'm just so glad I don't have to do that anymore. I know better. But didn't it say don't forsake the assembly of the brethren? But, you know, we might be missing something. We can't pry ourselves and think grace is the liberty to sin. Grace is the empowerment not to sin. Grace is the empowerment for us to live under the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which is a gift. But too many of us are looking through the scriptures trying to find, trying to find a scriptural justification of why we can sin. Or why we can live in lasciviousness. Well, the Bible really doesn't say it. You just skip 35 verses to try to find one that you can twist. That's why you got to be careful. You got to pay attention to the word. And you got to be cautious. Who's, you know, because it's, it's election season. I already know it's going to be special. I'm already in prayer. Don't you be caught up in the specialness. You already know it's going to be special. We live in Georgia. All eyes will be on us once again. All the media teams will be here. It's going to be interesting over the next couple months. You guys know that, right? But don't fall into the trap of politicians. I'm not judging them. Who don't know the Bible. Trying to teach you the Bible. Because you know there are speech writers, right? But if they say something, whether you, that's your favorite candidate or not, and you know that, that doesn't line up with scripture, then don't you receive it just because they're your favorite politician. Same thing with media. They may be your favorite journalist, your favorite anchor, your favorite commentator. But just because they say something, and they say it's from the Bible, you need to go to the Bible, read it for yourself, and not just cherry pick a scripture. Out of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. You study it out to see if it's true or not. Just because they're your favorite anchor, personality, whatever, they could be wrong. Eat the hay, spit the sticks. And if everything they give is sticks with a little bit of hay, you need to watch what you're eating. 
But I'm telling you, if you only rely on what you've heard, you will end up eating trash and your faith will dwindle. Because Jesus also talks about a group of people in this whole same time when he's interpreting the parable of Mark 4 to his disciples and his supporters. He said, I'm teaching you this way and explaining it this way because the people outside, they have closed their eyes. Their hearing is dull. By implication, they did it. Because at any time, he says, they could turn and be healed. But they have closed their own eyes. They have dulled their own ears. You need to make sure you are not closing your eyes when it comes to the truth of the scripture. That you're not covering your own ears. That the Holy Ghost has talked to you. I can't hear you, Jesus. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. You got to talk a little bit loud, Jesus. Bad connection. I, uh, don't treat the Holy Ghost that way. He's talking to you. Some of you say, well, he doesn't talk to me. No, he is talking to you. You just conveniently learn how to ignore him. Because even people in the world who aren't even saved have felt the witness of the Holy Ghost tell them not to do something. You see it on the news. Well, something told me not to go there. Wasn't a something. He's a someone. He's the Holy Ghost. And if somebody who is not saved can hear the Holy Ghost, why can't you? Let's talk about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, when they sin, full-blown sinners, right? They sinned. Yet they could talk to God and hear him in full sentences. What's your excuse? Jesus said, and I believe Jesus over you. I love you, but I believe Jesus over you. He said, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. So you need to stop saying, I can't hear God talk to me. Yes, you can. If you need me to say hope and change to get you to believe it, yes, you can. You can hear God talk to you. He is leading you. He is guiding you. It says the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. It says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. He gives evidence to our spirit that we are the children of God. He is always talking to you through peace, through leadings on the inside. But you have to pause long enough to listen and stop being ruled by panic and anxiety and your emotions. Because if you're always reacting emotionally to every situation, you're going to miss his voice. Because if you do not keep your soul in control, remember, you are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, will, and your emotions. You live in a physical body. If you don't keep your soul in your control, your soul will control you. And if your emotions are out of whack, your emotions will talk to you, pick up a religious voice, and you think it's the Holy Ghost. But it's your bitterness. It's your anger that God told you to get a handle on, but you refused to. And then you begin to justify your ratchetness because you heard a voice. There are many voices in this world, the scripture says, none without significance. Your soul has a voice. But you need to make sure you're listening to the voice of the Spirit of God talking to your spirit, not your emotions. And you must renew your mind with the Word of God. Because if you do not renew your mind with the Word of God, the enemy in the world will renew it for you. You stay out there long enough, you'll think just like them and talk just like them with your We Are Faith shirt on. <laughs> J 
Jeremiah 3.15. Jeremiah 3.15. Notice what the scripture says here. I will give you shepherds, another word for pastors, according to my heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. You know, the scripture also says elsewhere, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not lack of enthusiasm. Not lack of sincerity. Lack of knowledge. And we already talked about if you don't hear correctly and can keep on hearing, you're going to lose what you heard. 1 Peter 5, 2, we'll read from the Amplified Classic Edition, says, 10, nurture, guard, guide, and fold the flock of God. That is your responsibility, talk to elders or pastors, not by coercion or constraint, but willingly, not dishonorably motivated by the advantages and profits belonging to the office, but eagerly and cheerfully. One of the things you'll see consistently in the Old Testament and in the New, the job of shepherds or pastors is to feed the flock of God. And that is the way they talk about give them the word. That word feed means to give them the scriptures and lead and guide them and care for it. And one of the things is, you know, sheep, they may not always eat what they're supposed to do, eat where they're supposed to eat. They may go try some other stuff. That trash looks yummy. And so we have to be cautious about what we're continually eating, what we're continually feeding on. We have to make sure we're feeding on the Word of God. You see, the enemy understands the concept of scattering the sheep. It's a concept mentioned multiple times in the Old and the New Testament. Matthew 9, 35 and 36 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Notice, without a shepherd, they were weary and scattered. The Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. When he saw the throngs, he was moved with pity and sympathy for them because they were bewildered, harassed, and distressed, and dejected, and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The enemy understands that if he can get you to wander, or if he can scatter you, because wander, you just go off on your own devices. But scatter means he's literally trying to force you out. He can confuse you further harass you, cause you to become distressed, dejected, and helpless. For sake of example, your enemy is a wolf. He's a predator. And here's why you have to pay attention to what you listen to and what you watch. As long as the wolf writes the narrative, the shepherd would always be the villain. As long as the wolf writes the narrative, the shepherd will always be the villain. The enemy knows that if he can scatter you, he can pick you off. And so he'll come up with every way he can. Because remember how he was made. He's the fallen Lucifer. He had instruments in him. So his temptation is not just unslick, not packaged temptation. They are well-packaged temptations that make sense. He loves to dwell in the realm of reason to get people twisted in their logic. So he'll come with a temptation that makes sense. This is why you don't need to go to church anymore. Well, the church is full of hypocrites. So is the gym and the courthouse and the where you go to eat and where you go get your coffee, the grocery store. 
And depending on how you act, you may sign up to be one too. Well, don't you know there are bad people in the pulpit? There are bad people in every profession. Every single one. Why? People are people. And guess what? You is a people. He'll come up with different reasons. Well, don't you know that person fell? Yeah. People fall all the time. He's coming up with reasons to keep you from the assembly of the saints. Coming up with different reasons to get you out of the word. Well, you don't need to read it today. You went to church a couple weeks ago. You don't need to read it today. It's, it's, it's okay. Find something else inspirational. Go ahead, just, you know, meditate. Not scripture meditate, but meditate on something else. That Hinduism looks good. Well, you, you don't need to pray. Just, you know what? Get some roots and some sage. And Have you checked your horoscope lately? Just do a little bit of witchcraft. You'll be fine. Anything to get you out of the book so he can scatter you so that he can pick you off. As long as the wolf writes the narrative, the shepherd and the flock will be the villains. You got to be careful what you're listening to. If it's causing you to isolate yourself from the people of faith, that is trouble. Here's something else he does. He will condemn people because they may do something stupid. Oh, I can't go to church because they'll know I did something stupid. Guess what? Everybody in this room has done something stupid. You're in good company. There's one perfect person. His name is Jesus. We serve him. He's helping the rest of us out. He does it all day long. Oh, you messed up too bad. You can't go to church. No, that is where you're supposed to be. Well, pastor, you want people who smell like weed to come up the church? Yes, I do. Where else do they get delivered? They can bring their weed with them. Bring it all. You really want? Yes, I do. You don't want churchy-looking people? What is churchy-looking people? I just believe that the word is powerful enough that the Holy Ghost is powerful enough. That people get around us long enough, they, they may not believe in Jesus, they may be another religion, but they hang out with us long enough, that's gonna change. I remember someone talking to a man of God, he pastors one of the largest churches in the nation, and they were trying to, people had been criticizing his way of ministry. And he said, you know what? People may come to my church and other religions, but guess what? They don't stay that way. The way the Holy Ghost anointed them, they get saved. They sit there for a couple months, and all of a sudden, they're worshiping Jesus. That's what we're here for. Don't let the enemy tell you you have to be perfect to come to church. Because guess what? You'd never come to church. Ever. Ever. Say, well, I messed up. Well, come on, bring your mess. We believe for miracles. Because if you keep yourself positioned under the Word of God, the Word of God can work on you. It takes time. 
You know, some people don't want to even come talk to me. So, oh, pastor can't know my business. Look, if you need help, get counseling. This is not the time to disappear just because I know you have some issues. Guess what? I know all y'all got issues. It's not the time to disappear. Don't make me find you. I tell people that I counsel, I say, look, I want to see you every Sunday. And if you're an online member, I want to see you put something in the chat every Sunday. I want to make sure that you wave and you be extra. I want to see you. Because when you need help, it's not the time to disappear. This is the time where you need to run even closer to your faith family. This is a time where you just say, oh, that believer is strong. I know they're stronger than you need to sit next to them. Hopefully it falls on you. It's not the time to separate. There's a blessing in the assembly. There is a general blessing in the assembly of the brethren. Even if you come for the wrong motives, you come to church for the wrong reason, there's a general blessing just being in the house of God with the people of God. There are people I know who they've come to this church, and I don't even know if they had their faith set for anything, but they tell me later, it's like, you know what? After I came, I feel lighter. Like something that was on me is off me. Now, I know what it is. They don't. And it's not the time to teach them all the different things in the moment. What's the time? Bring them closer. There's a general blessing in being with the people of God in the presence of God. Even if the people of God have issues. Have you read the book? They all got issues. All of them. The only one who doesn't is Jesus. And even Jesus said, how long am I going to put up with y'all? Let's go to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. I've already quoted part of it to you. Actually, no, let's go to Luke 5.15. So we go to Luke 5.15. Luke 5.15. Luke 5.15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So my question to you is what are you coming to hear? What are you coming to hear? Should you come to church to get an answer for your life? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I need a word. Should you come because you need a word? Yes. I am not knocking that. That is the way you should come to church. I want to hear from God. I need some answers concerning what's going on in my life. I need a word from God. You should come to church that way. Let me show you something. For instance, I've already talked about this. Some of you have been eating a lot of trash. It's kind of your cup. Some of you have been trying to do a trash-less diet. So there you are. When you come to church under the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God and the presence of God and what He does by course, what do you mean by course? By the different moves of the Spirit. We encounter different courses today by the Holy Ghost. Things He encouraged us through the ministry of healing and what He's doing now and what He did before. This time is done. He's pouring in. And so you're leaving with your cup full. You came with a cup to receive. You leave receiving. Well, what if you had some trash. 
Well, it's gonna take a minute, but eventually we'll get the trash out. So you got a lot of trash, just keep coming. We'll keep pouring. And eventually, that cup will be clear like this one. Now, what if, just what if, for the sake of example, you came to church with what you needed, but you dare to come to church asking God for an answer for your neighborhood, for your community, for your industry, for the places God has called you to, where you're not just asking an answer for yourself, but now you're requesting an answer for someone else. Now you leave with what you need and what the community around you needs. But there's something about this poor, because too many times we think the poor is just a preacher. But that's not just where the poor comes from, because the scriptures of Philippians 1.19 that you have a supply. It tells you that also in Ephesians chapter 4, you have a supply. Every single believer has a supply, and when we get together, our supplies combine. So this poor is not just me. So I got, you know, my study time, my prayer time, all the stuff that I do to be ready. And so I'm contributing to the poor. But then there's other people who volunteer who are a part. And Brother Eric, you bring me one too, who contribute to the poor. And the minister, Nathan, you bring me one too. And so the poor is not just me. It's all of us coming together, yielding an overflow supply that's more than enough for just us, but also the community where we serve. So you need to start coming, because you said it's important how you hear. And if you come to hear a word for yourself, that's what you're going to get, and you should. But if you start coming and say, you know what, there's somebody else I'm going to encounter this week that's going to need to hear from God. There's some type of situation I'm going to be in some boardroom meeting that's going to need the wisdom of God. So I'm setting my faith not just for me, but for somebody else so that when I meet them, I can pour. So your expectation, your faith is part of your supply. Your prayer life during the week is a part of the supply. You should pray for the experiences of Sunday during the week. I remember years ago I heard Bishop Butler saying that I can tell if the church has been praying during the week by how Sunday goes. That it's not just supposed to be me praying. It's all of us. It's part of our supply. Your giving and your serving is part of supply. Think about this. People in kids' world and youth right now, they're pouring in to the next generation while you get to sit here and receive the word. Some of you, this is the only break you have from your kids all week. <laughs> and you're receiving because someone else is pouring over there. They brought their supply. We're going to talk about this in the offering. Other people bringing their offering and they're giving, their tithes, their seed, their offering has put in a place where people in this room can receive, people online can receive, people in Fayetteville receiving, and people in Marietta are receiving right now. See, one of the things we began to focus on in Marietta is we're targeting people who are part of the recovery community. And what is the recovery community? People who are coming off of hard drugs, that they're in facilities right now. 
And there's one testimony we received. They said, you know what? I've been through this before, but because I started coming to this church, it's actually sticking this time. Coming off of meth, coming off of other stuff. We dare to slap at the opioid crisis in our area. And so while we're training them up in the things of God, getting them connected, guess what? You're still being poured into here because the group we sent over there is doing some pouring. And the reason we can do that is because people help pray and give here and there. And it's changing lives because of the poor. But you have to bring your supply. Because the thing is, even just your attendance is part of the supply. You might say, well, I don't have much to offer. Yes, you do. You have more to offer than you realize. And when you come, this why how many of you have ever gone to church and after church is done, you happen to talk to somebody and that conversation was just what you needed? Aren't you glad that person was there to talk with you? And they didn't say, yeah, I ain't coming to church today. I'm good. Aren't you glad that they brought their supply? We have to, as a faith family, come up to another level with the way that we hear. Because there's some things the Holy Spirit's about to release that he's going to cause this church family to rise up and deal with some things. There are some things that are already going on in our area, in our nation, and there's some things on the horizon that this faith family will have to address. And one of the ways the Lord begins to address it is through the utterance that flows from the pulpit, from the poor. But to get it, you have to come with ears to hear, not just for yourself, but also for the areas you're called to and the people you will encounter. I remember I'll tell this as I begin to close. I remember last year I began to sense there are times when I'm up here under the anointing and I'll get to places in the spirit because under the anointing in the spirit are two different things. And there's certain ways the Holy Ghost moves and I begin to get out there and I begin to sense things. And last year, about last summer, I began to sense a change in the flow that I stand in. And I've sensed that before in my ministry and when I think about it, I said, man, I've only been in almost in ministry 20 years. Like, wow, where did the time go? But I've sensed that before at different times there's a flow. And then there was a change or a depth to the flow. And I began to feel the change again last year. And then right at the top of July, it hit. I was like, we're in it. There was a change. There was a depth, another depth through, to the office and to the anointing. And since then, I've told some of the team around, some stuff we're preparing for, there's some doors that have opened that are just, wow. Just, wow. Continue wows. One I want to tell you today, but I'm going to wait till next week to tell you. They're just opening. To where I'm doing something in the community, I ask, well, we want to do this. Well, we would love for you to do that. That's all it took? We ask? That we dare to slap the opioid crisis? We dare to reach out into the prison and say, you know what, not anymore? We dare to be a blessing to our law enforcement and minister to them? We dare to get involved in every area of society? Because we're here to be light? We said our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influence the world through the power of the love of Jesus. That ignite, that fire that's on the inside of you, it catches the other area ablaze when you go somewhere. Yes, ignition happens here, the fire of God falls here, but it spreads when you go and do what God has called you to do, when you say what he's called you to say. One of the things the Lord had us share in the spring that there was promotion coming to us as a church family, as individuals. And since then, I've heard testimony, I've heard testimony from many different people of not just promotion in their career, but in their influence. Doors have been opened and they said, hey, yeah, you know, 
I remember I talked to one individual specifically, said, yeah, there's a door open for me to share. It's not even in my realm of influence, but they want me just to talk about life. Doors open. We're walking into something wonderful. We've already stepped into it, but there's further things coming. And you need to be along for the ride. You need to bring your supply. Because what the Holy Ghost is about to do is going to take all of us. That we will address some impossible things, but they will be possible. Because all things are possible to them that believe. I said all things are possible to them that believe. That we dare to actually make a difference and not to say, well, this is how it's always been. Well, until we showed up. Well, don't you know the world's going to get dark before Jesus comes back? It's already dark. He expects us to work till he shows up. He says, occupy till I come, not run into the closet and hide. The end times is not a time for us to cower in fear. It's time for us to be people of faith, people of hope, and people of love. That before he shows up, we're going to get the job done. Because the scripture says he's not slow concerning his promise. So well, what is he waiting for? The harvest. He's waiting for more people to come in. He's waiting for more people to get saved. Think about this. Even if we just reach the back cylinder for the rest of our days, that's a full-time job these days. There's so many people who need Jesus. So many who need to come back to him. And as we come to church and bring our supply, and that pour is poured out, we'll receive what we need, not just for us to live the successful Christian life, but enough to be able to reach other people and bring them into the kingdom of God. So what we do here on Sundays is important. See, our vision is our overall statement, where we're going, that we dare to believe that we're actually going to open up 21-plus locations in Georgia and the southeastern United States. And I remember the first time I began to say that, that was about 2017, 2018, and now we got three. And other things opening up, it's like, well, Lord, I didn't ask for that city. I, I didn't. But some of my team know it just showed up. There are doors, like, I ought to say this, there are doors opening. And we have to be prepared to walk through them. That means we all have to bring our supply. And we all have to be willing to work. I believe in work. Do you know what Bishop told me and First Lady when we did our premarital counseling? I've shared this with other couples since then. That he was to do, so we had the normal level premarital counseling, and then we had premarital counseling for ministers and premarital counseling for pastors and future leaders. And so one of the days he told us, it says, marriage is work. Ministry is work. And work is work. As long as you're work, you'll be all right. <laughs> it takes work to get this job done. All the people who serve here in Team Faith, that's work. It's work. Right, Brother Vic? It's work. It's work. Brother Pat, right? It's work. It's work. Brother Richard Zacanis, it's work, right? But when all of us come together, 
and do the work, we reach more people. Some of you are so thankful that people are working in kids' world right now. You need to tell them thank you and find your place to serve. It's our time. We all have to come together. And there's a number of you here in this room and watching online, and some of you listen on podcasts or replay later, that you know this is your church home. You know this is where you're supposed to be. So you need to join. Say, well, I joined in my heart. Good. Well, join online so I have your information. I can call you. <laughs> He's like, well, you know, I joined five years ago. Did you give us the information so we can check on you? Oh, no, I did it's super easy. The link is in my notes right now. You can go on the app or our website. Become a member. It's about a 45-minute class where I share what we believe here and what we're going to do, and it's your information. Simple as that. Simple as that. You know this is your family, so become a part. We're going to do amazing things together. I said together. Together we're going to do what God has called us to do. And we are just getting started. I saw something I shared a few years ago. I forgot I said it. It was like a clip from one of the messages. It said, we will be a church that impacts our community and maintains global influence. And it just shocked me. I said, I said that? But then I watched what's happened this year and the things that were announced later this year. It's already coming to pass. And we are just getting started. Together, together, mission possible happens. It's all of us. So I encourage you, if you haven't joined the church, today's your day to join. You need me to give you the right hand of fellowship, I'll be standing right outside. Right hand of fellowship, fill out that link. You need to join Team Faith. Today is a great, day, great day to do. If you need us to do a few cheerleading works, we'll do that. We'll come up with our own cheer right now to cheer you on. I'll give that assignment to Minister Dave, then he'll figure out something. <laughs> but together, we can do this. And I'm not just talking about people in the room. You online, too, in California and Maryland and all these other places around the U.S., Puerto Rico and other places you're watching us. You know this is your church family and this is your online church? Then you need to join, too. Yes, you. Go ahead, point at the cameras. The pastor's talking to them. Because he already talked to us. Together, we are going to do amazing things. I hope you're ready for this ride. I hope you're ready. Or as I tell other people, I said, may the grace and the caffeine be strong stand to your feet. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. We love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts, 
as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called The Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.